Welcome to Move Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Clapson. The aim of this podcast is to explore, learn, and spread the message of rewilding and natural movement so that we as humans can live in more alignment with our nature and reclaim what it means to be fully alive. The modern world has stripped away so much that used to nourish our mind, body, and soul. This podcast will help illuminate how we can reclaim and restore our innate, wild, capable, and strong spirit. Thanks for joining me on this journey. Welcome back to another episode of Move Wild Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. Today, I have the pleasure of sharing a conversation that I recorded with Petra and Daniel from The Meters just last week. It was really great to connect with these guys and have a chat to them about their experiences with the carnivore diet and animal-based eating. If any of you have been following my work for a while, you would know that I am quite an advocate of an animal-based approach to nutrition. So it was really great to connect with these guys and get some of their perspectives on it and their experiences with a carnivore diet. So Daniel and Petra from The Meters are a couple from Canada who happened to stumble upon the carnivore diet. They've been on an animal-based journey together for almost two years and have each reversed several health issues and have improved their quality of life drastically. With an emphasis on animal-based nutrition, Daniel and Petra hope to empower people to take control of their life by starting with their lifestyle choices. You can find more of their work on Instagram at The Meters and you can also find some cool videos that they've got up on YouTube. I'll put a link to that down in the show notes. But for now, let's jump into this conversation and this interview with Petra and Daniel. And you can catch me on the other side for how you can connect with me and how you can connect with them. So welcome on, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Cool. Um, So to start with, I'd love to get a little bit of your kind of backstory and how you both got into kind of the diet that you guys um, kind of promote today and, and what was that journey for both of you? Yeah, totally. So I'll start. Um, I've always kind of been interested in health and being healthy and and staying in shape. And um, thinking back to my early childhood, uh, living with my mom and and my dad, we never really had junk food in the house. I never really drank pop, but I wasn't a stranger to junk food. We just kind of used that as a treat. So We'd have McDonald's or Popeyes or KFC or pizza. Um, But my diet, I thought, was fairly okay. A lot of home-cooked meals. And then um, fast forward to um, university, I kind of lived on a standard Canadian diet. So it's pretty much uh, like the standard American diet. Um, But I was able to stay in shape for the most part, and my health seemed to be fine. But... I was a pretty heavy cigarette smoker and quite an occasional wine drinker. So I'd probably smoke about a pack a day. But, you know, sometimes you can't tell that someone's unhealthy by their outer appearance. So I wasn't worried. Um, And then after university, uh, Daniel and I, I think we kind of became a little bit more serious about our health. I started noticing that it was kind of harder to exercise and that weight was kind of sticking on me. I couldn't get rid of it. So we watched the game changers 
and uh, we're inspired to go vegan. Um, we couldn't really adhere for it for too long. I think we were vegan for like two months. And um, we we craved meat, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like I I also think that my my why, like my my reason for going vegan wasn't such a strong reason. Like I felt bad for the animals and I thought that red meat was bad, but I never looked into to the research myself. So I didn't feel clearly that strongly about it. Um, so we started, you know, going back to our old ways of eating, but we now believed that plants were optimal and that they should be prioritized over meat. So we kind of bounced between prior prioritizing plant protein and once in a while we would treat ourselves to cheap meals, like pretty much junk food. Um, we ate loads of vegetable oils. We'd go to, um, vegan restaurants all the time thinking that we were making like the healthier choice uh i would walk out of there like bloated and so full and yeah the digestion the, the digestion was not good i'll just leave it at that um we did avoid red meat at least i did for the most part and preferred uh skinless chicken breasts so that was kind of what our diet looked like. And then in 2017 is when I really started to notice um, a decline in my health and it began with losing my hair. So my hair started thinning out quite badly and I was getting worried. I would find hair everywhere, like on my, my pillows, on the, on the sofa. And I would always have to tie my hair because I was seriously getting like a a bald patch back here and I even told Daniel I'm, I told him I'm, I'm gonna have to get a wig like this is it I, I just have to accept it it's gonna be the nicest wig ever but um, I wasn't happy about it I was very self-conscious and although I knew that it wasn't normal at my age I kind of I, I was lost I didn't know why I was losing my hair but the weird part was is I remember looking around like you know, being in, in the store, in the mall and noticing it on so many other girls. It's something that I never paid attention to before. But I'm telling you, when you go out there in the world, look around, look here in the corner, you will see a lot of girls hair is thinning in that area. So I started noticing that no idea it could have any connection to diet. And um, by then I had quit smoking, quit drinking, because I was quite freaked out. So I had been, I'd been like a year sober. And um, another issue that I was starting to have was acne. I was getting acne on my cheeks and on my neck, like really, really bad cystic acne on my neck. And that had never happened before. I'd get the occasional pimple. But um, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. A lot of low energy and I guess before we go into how we got into an animal-based diet, maybe you could share your health journey um, prior right. to the animal-based journey. Right, right. Pleasure to, to do so because um, looking back now, um, they say like if you don't cringe or if you're not embarrassed of your past, you're not growing. And I feel like that's, that's exactly how I feel a lot of times when I think about how far we've come with nutrition. So um, starting off, yeah, very similar to Petra's. Um, uh, family like household setting what we were eating um, not to say that you know we had a lot of junk in the house either but I mean 
if you're telling me that cereals is the best uh, alternative for for you know your breakfast as a young child, then maybe in a way, yeah, that is pretty junky. You could say, but um, you know, just the standard stuff: um, a lot of grains, a lot of uh, carbs, a lot of sugar. Um, as you notice, I've always wondered why I had so many crashes growing up. I've always wondered about all those naps that I had to just take after eating, always thinking it was so normal. Um, after a while, you start to realize like this, it must be something that I'm eating. But uh, just to give you guys an idea, um, I think I would say I would classify more like Mediterranean style. You hear this a lot. This Mediterranean is like somehow a healthy uh, diet, uh, a lot of olive oil, grains. a lot of grains, a lot of carbs, a lot of sugar. So yeah, a lot of pasta, a lot of bread. That was a big thing. It was always accompanied with our soups and whatnot. So the, the one thing I, I will give credit is like, even though we knew very little and, you know, our families did the best that we could with the information that we had. I mean, right now we're overwhelmed with so much information. We're learning so much just on Instagram. And um, I'm guessing that people didn't have that. They just based, went based off tradition and marketing and whatever, you government. know, government, regularly, whatever it, it, it may have been. But for the most part, I mean, my parents were never really ordering food from the outside. I mean, my mom, my dad, they, they would cook. We would have wholesome meals. Um, so for that, it was it wasn't as bad. So I would say till about I started hitting my teenage years is when um, I, it started to, to decline for me because of course then I was responsible for feeding myself. I'm not no longer you know within the household someone cooking for me, and I think that is when I started to then um, you know start accessing more junk food. Obviously, as a teenager from that point on, which I think is like one of the most important times to be filling up with nutrients. Um, I was filling up my body with full of junk, a lot of junk food. And what I end up finding is that Petra always remained relatively slim, pretty good, like proportionately that it was never, you would never just look at her and be like, oh, maybe that person has an eating problem. But for me, it was like way different. I think it was around probably towards the end of university, uh, like around, I would say like, yeah, I would say like in my early 20s. Um, I'm 28 now, but I would say about roughly my early 20s and was essentially where I became overweight. Like I have photos where I am just completely overweight. Um, I was eating all sorts of atrocities, um, nothing, nothing wholesome about it. But what I found to be very effective was intermittent fasting that I first introduced. Mm -hmm. So I started to intermittent fast a lot. It was just eating less junk. But when I did, um, it was small amounts. And then I noticed a significant weight loss. That brought me to kind of a body type that I like to describe as the skinny fat. Like you're not necessarily healthy. You're skinny in some areas, but like you still got the dad bod, the dad bod guts. And, um, you know, you're just not optimal. And I knew that for a fact. But I was just happy to lose that initial weight um, for, from intermittent fasting that I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm on to something here. Um, but, of, of course, this entire time, still not, nothing to think about with what I'm eating. Like I'm not consciously aware that the food is doing this. I kept always, and I think this is the hardest part, is that you associate whatever way you're feeling with everything in your life but the food that you eat, right? So I'm thinking, Dan, my man, what's going on? You're so tired all the time. Are you depressed? Like, are you lazy? Like, what is it with you? Every time you eat, you're always crashing. And I remember going to bed thinking, like, it's not normal to be this damn tired. Like, every single day was a drag for me. Um, I'm not going to go out to say as far as like I was like depressed, like to what a clinical uh, definition would be. But I mean, I did have a lot of self-limiting beliefs, which I think can lead to forms of depression. Mm -hmm. um, I never thought I'm like thinking if I don't have the energy just simply to get up today, 
I mean, when am I going to have energy to build my empire or be a father one day, manage kids? And I'm thinking all this like self-limiting thoughts always, right? And then it got to a point where, of course, the weight loss stalled with intermittent fasting because there's only so much that can happen there. Where I was nearing, again, around my mid-20s, 24, 25, um, I started to pack on the weight again, right? So I'm starting to find that that it's not helping. Uh, it's not, I'm not sustaining at all anymore weight loss. I'm stalling out. And then comes along, again, like Petra has mentioned, this a plant uh, agenda, the, the veganism. Uh, we watched What the Health. I was convinced. Was it, what, it was What the Health. It was What yeah. the Health. I was super convinced. I was like, you know what? Meat causes cancer. That's disgusting. Even though I'm having very little of it, I'm going to completely be absent from it. We're going to focus on plant proteins. We're going to focus on vegetables. And yeah, it was like a very hard effort. Um, and like we, we gave it a real good shot, which is great because I think in anything that you do, you should always give a good real shot in order to really justify if the results or the sacrifice is worth it. So I remember feeling within a month, like just naturally depleting. <laughs> if I felt any worse, like from before, it was like probably just as bad or, or maybe even worse. Cause I remember just feeling with like extremely low energy, um, a lot of days in bed, which I now I like, I'm happy to where I'm at today, but I don't have any regrets, but boy, were there a lot of time and like a lot of days just wasted in bed being tired all the time, which it's again, it's just not feeding your bodies with the right nutrients. So fast forward then um, after not really going really far more than one or a half months uh, going vegan, um, we went back and then, yeah, it was this big focus and emphasis on plant protein. Uh, we would go, I remember I would tell Petra, I'd be like, you know what, today, I don't want to eat dirty. I don't want to have like a hamburger. So let's try to go clean. Let's go to that vegan restaurant and uh, let's go have those, um, or the squash tacos. Squash tacos that were probably fried in vegetable oil. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's such a healthy alternative. You know what we'll do? We'll get also the fries with the gravy because, you know, that's vegan and it's, it's healthier. Yeah. So it was a lot of that for a long time. And then I guess we, you could probably jump in or if, um, yeah. if you want to talk about how we finally found out about the, yeah. the rabbit hole. And sorry, it was What the Health, not Game Changers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. My bad. Um, have you seen or have you heard of What the Health? You know what I, I haven't seen it, but I, I've heard of it. Yeah, for sure. It's quite convincing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then I remember one day, it was March of 2019. 19, uh, we went to visit Daniel's mom and his sister came over, his younger sister, her, um, her name's Christina, and she looked like a model. Like I'd never seen her look like that. And I hadn't seen her in a quite a few weeks. And it was her 30th day on a strict carnivore diet. And she's, um, her partner graduated from a university with a nutrition degree. So they both ventured out on this carnivore diet and she started telling us about it. And I remember my initial reaction was just like sheer shock. Um, I was disturbed. I was in denial. Um, I was very upset that um, she was making all of these claims about my dear plants. And um, I remember like Daniel said, like if you're not embarrassed by your behavior or by your um, like what you did a couple of years ago, then you're not really growing. I'm so ashamed of how close-minded I was in that very moment, especially thinking back then that I was open-minded. So to this day, I always tell her, like, I'm so sorry. I, I owe my life to you for that day for kind of waking me up to this other perspective. And it forced me to acknowledge that I wasn't an open-minded person at all. Like the, the, the level of um, 
denial that I was in in that moment. You, you remember, right? Like yeah, it was. Uh, I was. Well, the whole thing is that I. I don't know. Like Jordan Peterson is like a is is huge for us, right? And like I remember being in bed as a, my lazy self, watching a lot of his videos, like looking for inspiration in a way because I felt very lost and. I remember before she even started, um, she had a ref or he had talked about the carnivore diet where I still thought it was a bit ludicrous, but when she initially got into it and she started explaining it to it, to me, um, it was easier for me not to have such blockers like Petra had, because I was like, well, if this is like one of my greatest mentors and he's backed this up, well, there must be more. So I was like super curious. I'm just sitting back, like eating my popcorn kind of thing, uh, watching and like listening to what she has to say. Whereas Petra's face was just like, uh, she was like, looked like she was disturbed yeah. almost of what was going on. And it was just this block that I noticed that she had that she often feels very guilty of. But that just shows you that that's been the conditioning. I mean, yeah. had I never watched Jordan Peterson on that Joe Rogan podcast talk about carnivore, I, may, I too may have had the same reaction because what she was telling us was sheer insanity. I mean, we are people that pride ourselves thinking that when we're going healthy, we're eating at vegan restaurants. And here you are telling us about anti-nutrients and all sorts of atrocities that plants bring. So of course it was quite natural, but I couldn't, I entirely understand what, yeah. what you mean by that. Yeah. So we pretty much that day spent like five hours diving into the carnivore diet. Like she, she's, she's a really uh, great learner. So like everything that she explained to us had been explained to her by her boyfriend, who's like a heavy researcher. Like this yeah, guy, his, his name is Adam. His name is Adam. Yeah, he did he did extensive research before they they dove into this. So she really just sat down, explained everything. Like I pretty much, I think I asked her about every single uh, vegetable that I ate. I'm like, what about avocados? What about this? What about that? Like I was, I couldn't accept one, it one by one. Yeah, and yeah. then um, then we ordered pizza, and. I ate that pizza in like sheer disgust and uh, we had an, and then we went back to your house and we had our last apple pie. Well, it was my last apple pie because I decided I'm very impulsive and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. This, this was really good, I, I do believe. Um, the next day I went to a butcher shop and I started the carnivore diet. It was like a 30 day challenge. I had no idea how to even like, cook a steak. I I, I think I got like the most expensive cut of beef and I didn't even know how to cook it. It was disgusting. <laughs> so anyways, we did a one month challenge. We could probably do an entire episode going into detail about our personal experiences with that month. They were very different. I struggled. He thrived, but um, we persisted and we're here today and it was just supposed to be a one month challenge and we are over a year and a half in. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's incredible. I love that you guys just like jumped into it straight away. Like so few people would do that considering it's such a massive shift from like a plant-based diet to like going fully like carnivore. That's like the two polarities, like the, the two opposites. That's, that's great. And I love that kind of attitude that you had towards it. I'd love to kind of go into a little bit about kind of what was the kind of shift in your health or what was that journey over those 30 days and what it's been also like from that point that you went carnivore to now, like what are some kind of massive things that have shifted in your health? What was some, is there any things that you've struggled with? Um, And has there been any alterations that you've made or to the diet? Like, have you started adding in other foods or removing other foods? Like what has that kind of journey been like for you? 
right, uh, Mogul first. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, it's so funny. It's, it's only until once we were fully into the diet, and at least I would say within like 30 days, did I start to notice that I was even carrying certain symptoms that were just absolutely abnormal. Mm-hmm. So to start off, um, yeah, the extreme fatigue. Like when I, when I say like in bed, I mean like I go to work, come back home, stay in bed, nap wake up, eat something, get back to bed and like literally just be on my phone the entire time. Like it was, it was an abnormality of amount of fatigue that I felt. I've always, that almost forced me to like take on like this vampire schedule because I would wake up early. I would not feed my body any nutrients because I was eating garbage. I'd go to work. I'd come back destroyed, crashed. I'd fall asleep. By the time I'd wake up, it's like late evening. But I said, you know, this is my time now. I mean, this is the time that I get to enjoy myself. So what ended up happening is I would end up staying very late um, up. And then um, during that time, I'd have to wake up the next morning to go back to work. So it was this cycle of just constantly being extreme fatigued, um, always tired, having a vampire schedule. And that over time will, will really break you down. So aside from just um, just the energy level, just completely changing once you start to eliminate all these main offenders. Um, I was a big snoozer. Like, I don't know, like, if people are still snoozing now, but I mean, like I would have to set up like legitimately eight alarms just to get up because I knew I was never, I never had the willpower just to get up on the first one. And now that I look back, I was thinking, yeah, that's just, you know, someone who likes to enjoy sleep. But now it's like, no, it was an inability to get up. And it was almost like, like there was no love for the day. There was no vitality there. Um, whereas now it's like, it's, it's night and day. It's like, I am filled with energy. I wake up naturally on my own. Um, very early. We just recently, we, we've been learning about a lot of people waking up at 5 a.m. to start their day. It's called the 5 a.m. club. I don't know if you ever heard of this concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, we instantly fell in love with it. And uh, again, I had self-limiting beliefs, even having everything that I know now, I never thought that um, I would be able to wake up that early because I've always been such a snoozer my whole life. Um, so now we get up at 5 a.m. Uh, I love it. I never thought like just to show you what the carnivore diet is able to do for you. you can <laughs> take a guy who usually would wake up on the weekends like at noon or one o'clock to now be part be being a part of that 5 a.m. club. Um, so sleep and fatigue like night and day like that has been so huge. And I think just alone on those two things are like enough to significantly improve like quality of life. Um, I wake up with a sense of vitality. I always tell people like I, I know it sounds ludicrous, but I feel deeper now. Like I feel more like I, it almost sounds insane, but like I was even saying, like, I, I feel like my love for Petra has grown more not to say that it was any less from before, but it's like, I feel like I have a deeper understanding of what love is supposed to feel like and more of a gratitude and appreciation that every day I see the light. It's like, what a, what a beautiful day. And I'm really like kindling with my fascination with the moon. Like we're talking about buying a telescope and it's just such a different mental change. that is almost very impossible to put into words, but if I could put it very simply, like I feel deeper, I love more, I have, more uh, I'm more in tune with certain things, I'm more like emotionally available to Petra, whereas often I feel like I would just, your family too. to my family yeah. and all the ones that I love around me, where naturally I feel like I was very standoffish, I was very in my own way, because I was always tired and whatever it may be, maybe I was highly irritable because the food, like it wasn't serving me. So in terms of feeling, emotional changes, like all that, happened very quickly too i'm always fascinated by it like it was no more than i started to feel like big changes week two week three but i i I would say like even just after 30 days it was like a whole different life i was living i was in a whole different new body 
Um, I had, I didn't lose a lot of weight, like overall, cause I never really had a lot to begin with, but like I lost a lot of my weight size, like on my waist. So it's like, I had to like all the clothes like that no longer fit me. That was like another, like a physical indicator that like, this is, this is a big change. Right. And then, um, I had almost what you would call like nonstop allergies. Um, it was incredibly embarrassing. It was literally like my nose was the equivalent to like a leaky faucet. So uh, you could have called me like a, a tissue boy because it's like I was running around with tissues all day long, every day to a point where, you know, what ends up happening is that when you're in a group setting or you're at work or whatever it may be, or you're in a school setting and it's almost like the guy who's always sneezing all the time, he's running. It's a little, it's a little uncomfortable, a little uncomfortable to be that person or people are always assuming that you're sick. So they, they come at you and they're like, oh, are you Okay. And it's like, oh, no, it's just that, you know, that time of the year, my allergies. And like, it was literally happening every day to a point where it was uncomfortable. It would cause irritation to like my respiratory, my breathing. And um, it was a lot of like breathing issues that to a point that ended up basically giving me like sleep apnea. So I would wake up in the middle of the night, like choking on myself, disturbing Petra. Like poor girl had to sleep beside like a guy who just randomly was like wake himself choking and snoring. Um, so there was like a lot of respiratory issues, um, a lot of like nose, nose running that would then trigger the trifecta, which was the asthmatic responses. So um, it would, it was like a cycle. It was like, first I would eat, right? That would obviously trigger some kind of allergies. My nose would be running all day. My nose would be very irritated. It'd be plug, a lot of sinus. So by the time that I got to lay in, in bed and I would fall asleep, um, that would then trigger my asthmatic responses. So I would start to wheeze. Um, I would have to use my puffers. I was on like six different puffers always for like, just, just to have when on those days that are really like troublesome to breathe. So it was this allergy asthma, like inevitable like circle that I kept every single day was the normal. And I never attributed to like the diet whatsoever. I always just thought, Oh yeah, I'm allergic to everything. I remember even like, I always tell the story to everyone. Like I, I feel terrible. I used to kick out my, my dog that I love so much from my room at nighttime. Cause she'd always want to sleep with me, but I would always be thinking it must be her. Like the allergies must be coming from the dog, right? Little did I know, <laughs> nothing to do with the dog, but um, I'm sure she forgives me now, but I let her <laughs> sleep with me all the time. Um, so there was allergies, there was asthma, there was extreme fatigue. Um, I was highly irritable. I was a bit of a miserable person. I see the miserably, I always call it out the miserable mindset. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed it, but it's people that are rock around that are, are always in a rush, that are always angry are unapproachable and you see that in the work setting you see that just in, in the public and like just with strangers right it's like it, you, you can really tell when people just look like they're they're rushing to work and they're not having a good day and that was me i was that guy whereas now i'm waking up with smiles i'm happy every day i'm very grateful um it's very difficult to like throw me off i mean i bad things happen and everything you know unfortunate events do happen but i mean I, I think i can separate myself from when something's bad happening versus like making it all about that which is i find that i don't know um, if it's a real thing or not but like, we learn a lot about like brain fog and then like, mental clarity is like an overlapping concept that i notice a lot of people talking about when they lower their carbs or they lower their sugar right and i can absolutely attest to that because i was foggy all the time I wasn't there. I don't even think I was of sound mind half the time when I was walking around all miserable. For what reason? Like I never really went there. I never went there emotionally, physically, not at all. Mm -hmm. So now that I look at it, like I have a whole different perspective on these things. All these like problems and these health concerns have all been reversed. 
um, I no longer have any of these symptoms unless I reintroduce uh, any of the main offenders. So I never knew, but um, it turns out I took a DNA test and it looked like I had some variants that I had celiac, I had traces of celiac, right? So, I mean, a big staple in my house was pasta. Like I still, I'm still working on rewiring my brain because often I see some awesome commercials on TV and it, it could be triggering, right? Mm-hmm. Pasta, pizza, like sauce. I was a big sauce guy. Like I love tomato sauce and anything. I, I, was, I was always like craving the sauce. So seeing that now, I mean, now that I think about it, like, yeah, of course it makes sense. If I'm, contain- if I'm consuming a lot of gluten, and a lot of things that are just like are going to be triggering that. Like, no wonder why I had all those food allergies, I guess you can call them, not really seasonal. And now that I look at it, like all those things I thought were normal when they slowly started to dissipate. And I started to wake up naturally early in the morning and I started to be happier and I started to have none of these symptoms. Then did I realize that I actually had these symptoms and that they were probably all caused by the poor diet and the poor dietary choices that I make every day, right? Yeah, totally. That's so interesting. And I love how you linked all those kind of more, I guess, yeah, emotional or or just other aspects of health that people don't really associate with diet or wouldn't associate as related to diet, but they are so related. Like there's so many people, as you say, who are just walking around with brain fog and they can't, they can't feel or interact with the world around them in a way that's, you know, beneficial to them or, you know, like, like you said, like being able to feel deeper and have more emotional stability even and just being able to process the world in that way. Like it's so related to our physiology because like the two are interconnected in such an inseparable way. And like, it's, it's crazy to me how many people kind of don't uh, connect those two things and don't connect and see that if their, you know, physiology or their body is off in some way through diet or, or not sleeping enough or whatever, their mind and their emotional state is also going to be off. Um, so I'd be curious to hear like what the journey for you was like Petra on that 30 days and also continuing on from when you went carnivore. Yeah. So I struggled a lot more cause I, I think Daniel was more, uh, meat based to begin with. He's, his, he's part Argentinian. So they have like a lot of red meat and stuff. I never did. So the first two weeks were a struggle to even like finish a steak. I would cut the fat off of my steak and I, like for anyone that knows um, anything about eating animal based, you know how important animal fats are, especially within the first month, you really want to make sure that you're feeding your body that fat. So I felt very tired. Um, I wanted to give up, but I kept going. And um, during the third week, I remember I was driving and all of a sudden, I felt like, and I always shared this story because it, I, I can still feel those emotions. Um, I remember driving and feeling this sense of clarity that I've never had before. It was like as if someone literally came and turned on a switch and like to a room that you've never even been in. And this is the first time you get to see that room. And it was like, I remember I texted Danny and I was texting and driving, but I was like, oh my God, dude, I don't know what just happened. It's week three, baby. And I feel good. (laughs) And it was like, everything changed. Uh, Everything changed from that point on. It was like third week, I started craving more meat. I, um, my hunger increased. So I would usually eat like a steak in the morning and salmon in the evening. Now I could eat two 
uh, sirloin steaks in the morning. Like it was, it kind of fluctuated until it regulated itself. And um, in terms of um, health conditions that have reversed, I I can also attest to what Daniel said. Like the, there were certain issues that I didn't even know were issues. They're just kind of things that we normalize because it's so common in our society to just go to work and come back home and nap and like watch Netflix for like four hours straight and then go to sleep and wake up and do it all over again. And um, I, I really lost that desire and I gained so much more. Like I found like a newfound passion for life. I, my relationships, I feel a stronger connection to them. Um, I feel like I can think more clearly. The brain fog is gone, but the brain fog does come back when we go off track. So, you know, we're human. I've had ice cream like two, three times this summer, and it was the first time I've had sugar since April of 2019. It, it took me like four weeks to recover. It's not easy um, <laughs> once you kind of introduce the offenders, mm -hmm. but it just kind of goes to show you that like the brain fog and all that, it is related to food. Our gut is so closely connected to our brain, but we're not really taught that. So it, it, it's obviously normal to not make the association between what we feed our body, our temple, and how we feel. Um, and I think you also asked us uh, if, we've kind of, if we've reintroduced foods throughout this journey. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we have. We first started off with steak, salmon, lamb, water, salt. Then we introduced eggs. That went pretty well. Um, then we introduced dairy, and that was funny. It was really delicious, but it uh, kind of set us off on a roller coaster of cravings, eating when you're not hungry, uh, some weight gain acne um and it was raw dairy too so we always we tried raw dairy we tried a1 dairy a2 so we tried uh dairy from a cow we tried sheep goat we tried it all and i think across the board we didn't really feel, feel too good we didn't try raw milk though because that's illegal here in canada but we tried cheese cheese was our thing yeah. um and so we kind of gave that up um which I'm, I'm not too sad about because I feel like I feel much better this way. And what else? I think the introduction of organ meats was organ a game changer meats, yes. when we started to learn about all the nutrients and everything that you can get and how important liver is. Um, that was a huge game changer. I did notice a significant improvement, not to say that, um, you know, the beef, because of course we're in the first 30 days, we just did beef for the most part, it was beef and water. So there wasn't a lot of things. So that was like a huge explosion to the body. Like you said, like usually people, they taper down a little bit. They don't just go all in. So as you can imagine, like that was a shock to the body. But yeah. shortly after, like what Petra describes as her two to three weeks, even though for me, it was like from day one, I felt I started to feel better every day. Um, we, we were feeling amazing. But then when the organ meats came, it was just like, that was a whole different level of nutrient density to a point of satiation that like, it was like after this liver, you feel like you, I just had 20 coffees like, and I'm ready to go and take on the world, right? So once the organs came in, that came a lot more, uh, it came, the, the diet became a lot more efficient. I, I started to really feel amazing. Yeah. And um, of course, with the introduction of like grass-fed beef fat, 
we were prioritizing our fat more. Um, we weren't just getting fat from like our, our fatty cuts from our steak. Now we're ordering like uh, beef trimmings from our, our farmer. We started to learn about like regenerative farming. Um, so that was very empowering to start understanding how like there, no, the, the argument that, you know, for whatever reason that the cows, uh, you know, I think we were speaking with, we had a podcast with one of our carnival roundtable with Judy, nutrition with Judy. She's, she brought up a great point. She's like, well, now with COVID, they're not locking down uh, the cows. And yet our environment have, has had such improvements that just goes to show. It's not the farce. It's, it's not it's the, not the farce, farce, right? Yeah. So that was interesting to find out. But um, what I did notice, one of the very few, which I've always um, been fascinated about, was uh, mushrooms. So it was the one, because it doesn't really fall in, it's within its own category because it's, it's fungi. So like mushrooms I've only enjoyed, I've never felt any kind of negative reactions towards Um, anything else that we've tried to bring back. It's, it's never gone well. If it hasn't been animal based, like it just doesn't serve us simple as that. Um, I I don't think unless you can think of anything that like we've reintroduced, I don't think so because we're, we're pretty strict now with animal based. Like we, we we rarely deter from, from the animal based kingdom, but if we do, like, it will be something like maybe something crazy, like an ice cream once in a blue moon that will set Petra back for like a month. So then we realize it's never worth it again. Uh, but those are also learning experiences as well, right? Yeah. Because you start to learn that, like, if it's, if it's not worth it for you, if you can see that far before those cravings, you can rewire your brain thinking, okay, maybe I have that. But is it going to be worth to be set back feeling terrible for another, like, four weeks before you, you start to heal again? So that's been also very helpful and to adhering to the diet and staying within the diet as well, right? Yeah, but I think I think we tried um, at the beginning, we tried avocado and my stomach just rumbled for like hours. And then we tried sauerkraut and I just like ran to the bathroom. So yeah, mushrooms seem to be the only thing that we don't mind and we have them once in a while. Mm, that's really interesting. I haven't actually heard that before, but yeah, I'm curious to experiment with that because yeah, it makes sense because mushrooms aren't really in the plant kingdom yeah that, that's an interesting one and i've definitely found with the dairy like um i'm i'm pretty carnivore uh, I, I was strict carnivore for about five months and i've introduced just to experiment some berries and stuff um i did definitely find with the dairy like it brought on so many cravings that i wasn't having before and like just immediately as, as soon as i started having it just like heaps of cravings for more and more sugar and that's just such an interesting kind of point because it is quite addictive when you start introducing dairy and it's it's hard to stop um having it yeah and i also love um kind of yeah that that whole concept that we kind of normalize how we feel and we think that we the state that we're in now is often the the healthiest or the most energetic that we'll ever feel and that's so such an interesting point that you bring up that time in the car petra that you said it was like, you know, you're experiencing this level of clarity that you've never experienced before. And, and what you said, Daniel, with the organ meats, it's like all these levels of health that we're not necessarily aware of because we're not doing the things that help to cultivate that state. And it's just such a, such a great point to kind of bring up because there's so many people, I think, in the world who just normalize how they're feeling and don't try and seek out how to kind of optimize their state and, and better it. Um, I'd love to move on a little bit, I guess, um, to cover some common misconceptions around the carnivore diet and plant-based diets, just to give people listening a bit more context and for anyone who's listening who isn't familiar or is like, thinks that 
you know, the carnivore diet sounds extreme. What, um, what would you say are some common misconceptions around eating an animal-based diet? Why do most people think that that's, you know, not healthy? Why did you guys think it was not healthy when you were first introduced to it? And yeah, if you could just run through a few like common misconceptions around that way of eating. Sure. Um, so I think a huge common misconception, and I remember uh, texting my friend from LA, I was like scared to tell her that I went carnivore because <laughs> you know what you're going to hear, right? And she was like, dude, like you're going to clog your arteries or <laughs> your, your cholesterol is going to go up. And I remember texting uh, Christina and Adam, like Daniel's sister and, and her boyfriend and being like, what do I say? You know, because you don't know. It's like month one. And, and even now, honestly, for me, like I could sit down and read an article about why high cholesterol is not necessarily bad in that you know, low cholesterol has been shown to, um, has been found in people with much more serious illnesses. Um, but to try and to explain that to somebody is difficult for me because I'm not a medical professional. And then in that, because of that, in their eyes, I lose credibility because, oh, you can't even explain it. So how can you understand it, you know? Um, or how can it be true if you can't explain it? Um, so yeah, I would say uh, heart disease, Red meat causes heart disease, clogs your arteries, uh, it'll skyrocket your cholesterol, um, your, what else? I, I think that like that what I find like absurd and it hurts like to my core, now that I feel deeper, it, it hurts my soul um, when I hear about this priority of the food pyramid of grains. Yeah. One of the, the, the worst offenders and... Um, when you look at like, what are the ingredients in like baby formula? Like what, what I'm, cause I'm thinking like mothers who are uninformed, who maybe don't have, they're busy. They're not on Instagram. They're not on social media. They're not looking. They're, they're, they're turning to governments. They're turning into traditions. They're turning to uh, the public. They're turning to what their friends, their communities are, are, are feeding their children. And we have the society like literally poisoning poor now that i think about it like, it's like poisoning children before giving even giving them a shot yeah because we're prioritizing these grains these these terrible toxins uh oatmeal i how many times have you heard oatmeal is like one of the most uh uh healthiest superfoods that you can have in the morning like that th there's just sheer atrocities and if you look into all the toxins and the anti-nutrients into the grains so that to me is is where it kind of hits hard when i think about those who don't really have access to this kind of information and then you start to think, you know what, they're just doing the best to what their consciousness and what they know about. So it's not even like on the individuals, whereas like failure as a society, right? Yeah. Where the people have failed themselves. So I think a, a common, like one of the biggest ones that gets me is, is the priority to focus that grains is this all healthy food, not seeds and all this stuff. And then I'm so sorry to say it, but again, like these plant toxins, right? We, we keep, we keep hearing that plants are superior, like, you should always prioritize your plant proteins. Even us, when we were trying not to be so unhealthy, um, choosing all those vegan options, um, thinking that because these plants are all these superfoods that you need, like spinach and all this stuff, and then you start figuring out all these anti-nutrients, all these plant toxins, like we really got it wrong. You know? mm -hmm. We so got it wrong. And why am I only after, I think it was like, yeah. So we always say like after 27 years of being on planet Earth and being an earthling, why is it that this is the very first time that I'm hearing about oxalates, plant toxins, and anti-nutrients? That to me is just absurd. And I think that's one of the hugest, in my opinion, the biggest misconceptions of all time, right? 
Yeah, totally. And there's so much misinformation out there and there's so many people who just don't know that, yeah, there's so many toxins in plants and there's so many of the foods that um, get told to us that are healthy are just not, not designed for humans and like not optimal for human physiology. And yeah, it's so interesting. If you could give kind of a, a brief and very broad um, overview of like kind of plant toxins and why why plants have toxins and and like why we should be avoiding plants and and kind of just for people who aren't familiar with um with that whole concept of of you know why we should be avoiding plants and the toxins found in plants sure so um yeah basically when we heard about plant toxins it was that day with christina and it, it was baffling to know that like daniel said why haven't i heard this in 27 years but um the funny thing about it is you could do a quick Google search. We all know that Google is incredibly unreliable, but when you search on Google for, let's say like, is high cholesterol bad? You're going to find, yes, it's bad. You're only going to find cholesterol articles on cholesterol that talk about how high cholesterol is bad. So when I did a quick Google search about plant toxins and anti-nutrients, I expected to find nothing, right? I thought this was just like something in the carnivore community, but you can actually find studies. Like Google confirms it. You can go on about 10 pages in Google and there's articles confirming that they do exist. There's studies. Um, but to put it kind of briefly, I did write some notes because it's a little bit sciencey, but I, I put it in plain, plain terms. Um, Basically, uh, plant toxins are anti-nutrients and anti-nutrients are found in grains, legumes, beans, nuts, plant roots, vegetables, leaves and fruits. Um, just like animals, plants can defend themselves from predators. Sorry, just like animals can defend themselves from predators, so can plants. Uh, plants evolved with this need to defend themselves from being eaten by insects, animals or even by humans. But because plants can't run away from predators, anti-nutrients are kind of like their self-defense mechanism to ensure their survival. So I know this kind of sounds bonkers. It sounds like a ridiculous conspiracy theory that like plants have defense mechanisms to fight off prey, but it's true. Like I said, just do a quick Google search. Um, and I wrote down, I think four main anti-nutrients that I wanted to touch on. And the first one is oxalates. I wrote this one down because oxalates are very common in the vegetables that a lot of us eat when we're trying to be healthy. So you've got a lot of vegans trying to be healthy. We were trying to be healthy. We were eating a lot of spinach and leafy greens. Kale. Uh, kale. Uh, oxalates can also be found in sesame seeds, sweet potatoes, soybeans. So the problem with oxalates is that they actually bind to calcium and iron and uh, they prevent it from being absorbed. So if you consume too much for your body to handle, it can prevent proper digestion, actually cause gut problems and protein deficiencies. So that was quite the shocker for me. Another one that's, I mean, should be a no brainer, but it's not is gluten. Um, gluten is one of the most difficult plant proteins to digest. I also think that gluten is a great first step if you're trying to better your health. Like just cut the gluten out. No one's asking to go vegan, go carnivore. Like 
I think everyone should. I think both sides could agree that yeah. the gluten is a main offender. So this is why it's such a great, good step if you want to slowly start to think of it from a, a small meeting people where they're at, elimination um, sort of hierarchy to start off. Maybe in the bottom, it's just like try try eliminating the gluten. And then yeah. um, I guess from there on, like, yeah, slowly grains and then, and then further. But I think gluten, like on both sides, it's safe to assume that everyone can agree that it's not it's not optimal for us and it hurts us, if anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I think um, I'll just, I had lectin. So lectins is another one. It's found in legumes like beans, peanuts, soybeans, whole grains. Um, that one interferes with the absorption of calcium, iron, and zinc. And uh, the last one, which I think is fascinating, is phytic acid. So this one's found in grains, beans, nuts, and most seeds. And these are all foods that many people on a vegan diet rely on for their protein source. Um, so phytic acid interferes with our ability to absorb iron, zinc, calcium, and magnesium. And I think, um, I don't know if you've, I think you said you've watched our podcast. You might've seen uh, Bajit Khan. He's a member of our podcast. He recently showed us a study by a woman named Georgia Ede and she did a study which shows how phytic acid also steals minerals from other foods that you may eat with your seeds, which actually makes it more difficult for you to extract minerals from everything you eat. So in the study, and I can actually send it to you if you want to like post it for your, uh, for yeah, your listeners. That'd be great. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So the study showed comparisons of the impact phytic acid has had on zinc absorption by measuring the rate of zinc absorption from someone who ate oysters alone and then someone who ate oysters when eaten with black beans and then oysters eaten with corn tortillas. So when the oysters were eaten alone, there was no issue with zinc absorption. When they were eaten with the black beans, which is a legume, the absorption declined by 50%. And then when there, there was no absorption at all, when the oysters were eaten with the corn tortillas, which are grain. So that's quite uh, quite a decline in absorption. So we're eating all of these things and we're trying to be healthy. And we don't know that like not only, and not to bash like plants or anything, <laughs> but it's facts, but not, not only are plants not as bioavailable as animal-based foods, they also have these anti-nutrients so you've got like two things working against or yeah. maybe because they like i i'm not sure but maybe they could have more than one anti-nutrient that does more than one negative um impact to your body so and yeah i think the easiest way to encompass the whole concept of an anti-nutrient plant toxins the evolutionary explanation is the best right it, this is a a protection like all of us we want to protect our offspring it's to ensure survival I'm sure if you watched a lot of uh, natural discovery uh, documentaries, you'll start to realize the one thing that all species have is this need to reproduce. Like we can all agree that we were here and we were made with reproductive systems and the, the, the cycle of life and everything, the way it works is so to protect our own, our, our species, our, our formal life being. So if you think of plants, plants, plants can't just get up and run away from their prey. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, there's, they have to evolutionary develop these anti-nutrients in order to protect themselves, to ensure their survival. So when you look at it like that, it's almost like, don't, don't hate the plan. Uh, just understand the science as to yeah. why, and you can, it can actually, you can learn to appreciate 
and have this regard for it. Like, wow, the way these plants operate is amazing. And I think we are a firm believer that plants were never designed to be eaten versus I do believe they were designed to be like for medicinal purposes. It's meant for healing. I do really do think that if there's any sort of a purpose for them, it's probably more in that realm than it is to be consuming it as a food every single day. And maybe that will put a little bit more perspective behind the whole concept because I know it's crazy. Trust me, when we heard this, we were like, this is insanity. But at the same time, when you look at the evidence and you start to notice all these anti-nutrients and you try to wrap your head around it as to why this is from an evolution perspective, it makes perfect sense to me, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it does, it does make sense when you think about it in that way and just understand that, yeah, all like all species are trying to protect themselves. All species are trying to ensure that their survival over a long period of time. And yeah, animals have a survival mechanism of being able to move away from their predators and, and plants don't have that. And it's also probably a good point to touch on here is for people listening who, you know, would say, well, other animals can process plants and can um, digest plants like other, other primates or cows or whatever. People have to understand that they have digestive systems that are designed specifically for that. And when we look at human digestive systems, we just don't have the physiology to be able to handle all those plant toxins and we don't have the bacterial, the fermentation processes required to be able to handle those kind of processes that those other animals do have. Um, and also like you look at, um, you know, different groups of peoples, uh, indigenous peoples around the world that did eat plant foods, they often processed them a lot in order to be able to consume them in quantities that were safe. So those are just two points I thought I'd touch on for people listening who are still unsure that I think are important as well. That's true. Yeah. Um, cool. So we'll start to wrap up. Do you guys have any um, closing thoughts that you'd like to leave us with or the audience with? Sure. Um, I'll basically, I'll, I'll rip in the wise words of my younger sister. Um, I loved how she just said, you know what, like you got nothing to lose, like test it out for yourself in 30 days. Don't listen to anybody. You are your best. Your self experiment is the best method. You're relatively never going to harm yourself. Um, I went vegan for 1.5 months and I, you know, look at me now I'm thriving. Right. So it ain't going to kill you guys. Um, but one message that I would want to leave with everyone, I think, before you can even start talking about nutrition and diet, I mean, it's this, it's mindset, right? You have to be open-minded. And as much as the Petra looks back and she feels like she could have been more open when she first received it, that, that is showing that like, that is exactly the lesson here. It's the fact that don't rule someone out because maybe you think they're crazy because they're telling you all these amazing benefits of meat. And who knows, maybe tomorrow the science shows us that Berries are incredibly well, uh, where, well to pair up with uh, your, your meat. And you have to be open to that, right? So like, we're not saying necessarily that we're, we're going to die on this hill of this meat eating, you know, almost optimal health. But no, you, you need to stay informed. You need to stay updated. You, and you need to remain open-minded so that even when radically different uh, perspectives are you know, introduced to you, um, it's, it's almost like it serves you. It's good to have that around. It's good to be open-minded. It's good to entertain several different perspectives because um, someone who's exposed to several different mindsets is always going to be more informed, is always going to have uh, more of an equanimity. You're going to be in a level of where you're balanced, that you're not too uh, on one side of the spectrum or you're not too uh, dogmatic is a big one that we're starting to realize that a lot of people are getting within the community like fragmented. Like I don't understand why people are fighting over who eats carbs and who eats plants. 
where it's like we are all on the same mission here. It's just to spread the benefits of an animal-based eating. Regardless of whatever you eat on top of that, we, we're just trying to get to the baseline and unlearn all the things that we've learned before. So remain open-minded, um, welcome radically different opinions. Um, I always am open and, and, and like almost wishing I could, a vegan will sit down and talk to me because um, I think there's so much that we can both learn from both sides because I learn every day by um, talking to different mindsets. So remain open-minded, um, surround yourself with radically different opposing views and uh, never close a door on anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, I would say the same thing. Definitely one thing that I've learned throughout this journey is that um, it's not necessarily safe to act like you know everything and this is the end all be all of, of, of your journey and um, also learn to not impose. <laughs> it's yeah. So it's, I think this has been like, we were talking about it yesterday. I think 2019 and 2020 have been the most uh, evolutionary changes of our lives in terms of growth um, tremendous change obviously COVID's played a part in that in its own special way and um, I just want you know if anyone is listening to this and if you think that you're healthy just because of just because you uh, are eating what you know the majority of the population deems to be healthy foods but if you're not really feeling your optimal best just have that open-mindedness to um, maybe explore other options and um, find where you fit in because maybe where you are right now is not the best. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I love it. That's a great answer. Thank you guys so much for that. So um, finally, where can people find more of your work? Where should they follow you? Sure. So we are on Instagram as The Meters. I guess if we ever change our diet, that will be a problem. We'll have to change the name too. But I think I think I can say with certainty that we'll always be animal based. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that doesn't seem to be a problem. Yep. And uh, for anyone that you know, we find a lot of people are struggling with um, variety, right? It seems to kill a lot of people within this space, even though we think there's so much variety. Um, a lot of people, they're, it's not normal. It's a different way of eating. So they're struggling, right? And we we always get messages of. You guys are always eating some awesome food. Like, how do you do it? So we decided to start a YouTube channel. Um, for now, it's just Petra in the kitchen making awesome <laughs> recipe videos. And if you guys are ever interested in getting more recipe ideas, feel free to check it out. Um, there's a lot of great alternatives for when those cravings kick in, like when you get your sweets. Um, I was somebody who was struggling hard with that. So thank God for Petra learning how to use the most versatile uh, ingredient, which is eggs. Eggs are amazing. You can amazing. do egg pudding. We make egg uh, like we make uh, muffins, like we do all sorts of crazy stuff. So if anyone's interested in sort of uh, improving their variety and wants to learn some quick videos and quick recipes that you could still remain extremely nutrient dense and animal based while still having a variety. And clean too. And, and have it yeah. clean, um, feel free to check that out. It's, it's a lot of great ideas there. That's uh, the meters on YouTube. And all of these links are in our Instagram bio. We've got a little link tree where you can find um, We've got like a discount code too. If anyone's interested, I know we didn't talk about this, but skincare, tallow skincare, there's a brand called Fancy Farm. So I got a discount code there for that. Which I use, by the way, all of a sudden now too. Now I'm using it for aftershave. I've gone pure primal now. Like yeah. um, minimal, minimal ingredients. But one last thing also to, to just put attention to that. It's like it also, another improvement of this is like this consumer awareness, yes. right? It's like 
we're, we're paying attention to labels now. We're reading labels. This is a very important thing. How many of us don't even know what's in our products, what's in our food, what's in our shampoos, what's in our, uh, our toothpaste? So it's like opened up a whole different rabbit hole where now we're like, we like enjoy spending time reading labels. We're like, oh, Petra, let's see how many anti-nutrients we could find here and, yeah, was, and was, harmful chemicals. So I was going to say like we, it's kind of like date night. You go to a store and you're like, oh my God, what are the ingredients on this? Like you'll find a, a drink, like a Kool-Aid or something that you used to drink in elementary school and we're like, holy shit. Holy shit, what are the ingredients on this? Let's read them, right? It's become like a game. So yeah, definitely improve and increase your awareness of what you're buying. I think it's also a powerful message. And just read your labels, people. You know, it's so important. If you can get minimal ingredients, why not choose that as an alternative, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I love it. Well, thank you, Petra and Daniel, so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time and for sharing with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We should, uh, we're actually thinking of starting our own little thing and we should definitely have you on because we want to learn about what you're doing. We just kind of started looking we into just it. ran into this concept. Yeah. It blew our mind. Yeah. And wanted to say you've been a huge inspiration for that. We have a lot more questions. We'll follow up with you, but, uh, I love the whole idea because in, in our, and I'm sure it's worldwide, but I can't tell you how many people that I know that's probably spent two hours in the gym focusing on specific targeted areas. Yeah. Not even focusing on the whole body that in my opinion like don't necessarily serve you as well if you really do think about what we were naturally which which natural movements we're supposed to do so when we I see agree. your post, we're like this this is a little genius here <laughs> onto something and yeah. you need to learn from him so we'll be following up with some questions for you bud yeah that'd be sweet i'd love to have more of a chat around that that'd be awesome love that yeah, but yeah and thanks so much for having us it's been thank an awesome thank you so ride. much thank Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. It was so great to connect with these guys and have a chat about the carnivore diet and their experiences with it. This was probably one of my favorite conversations that I've recorded on the podcast so far and I'd love to hear what you guys think of it. So make sure that you take a screenshot of this episode and share it on Instagram or whatever social media platform that you use. Tag myself and tag Petra and Daniel at the meters on Instagram and let us know what you thought of this episode as they mentioned in the show there's a whole bunch of links that you can use to connect with them and i'm going to put them down in the show notes you can check out their youtube their instagram they've got a lot of great content up on those two channels otherwise you can connect with me through instagram at move underscore wild and let me know what you think of the podcast so far and just engage and connect i'd love to hear some of your thoughts i'd love for you to reach out one more thing i did want to mention is that there is a few days left on or there should be a couple of days left when this podcast is released for anyone who wants to to pre-order my new course naturally strong which is a strength and conditioning course based around natural movement there is no gym required for this course it is based around developing strength and conditioning for functional natural patterns and will aim at developing your capability and your strength and your fitness in those natural and functional patterns. So if you want to get 50% off on the pre-order, that is still available for the next couple of days. So head down to the show notes and check that out if you're interested in pre-ordering the course. Otherwise, it will be launching on December the 1st. So again, that's 50% off on the pre-order for Naturally Strong. Check that out down in the show notes. But that is all from me for today. I hope you have an amazing week and an amazing day 
and yeah keep doing all the great things that you're doing i really appreciate all of you listening in to the podcast and i'll catch you on the next episode coming out on friday